listening to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss, and eternity. Welcome to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. This is episode number 28. As always, you can send me an email to hello at rachelasimpson.com if you'd like to discuss anything you've heard on the podcast or if you have a suggestion as to someone I can interview. Today, we get to hear from Jason Faulkner. Jason talks about growing up, having a happy childhood and being in a Christian home, but then going through his own journey and having his own revelation of faith in Christ. Jason shares about his passion for seeing people come to a place of knowing God's love for them and their created value. He shares about his studies, his entrepreneurial ventures in business, music, and his ministries. I hope you really enjoy this inspiring and in-depth discussion with Jason Faulkner. So I grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney in a suburb called North Bagala. Nice. Yeah. And what was it like growing up there? Oh, it was awesome, actually. Like, so many cool little childhood memories of just scrapping around with my brother and sister just in the backyard and cruising there with family. Yeah, it was awesome. So, was it much of beach growing up? Yes and no. Like, now I love the beach, but my old man was a really good water skier. So, I was always, I always loved the water. Mm-hmm. Um but it kind of grew up always going every weekend down to like Manly Dam and like wakeboarding and doing all that. And then I was kind of like, I want to surf. And <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. So it kind of translated from water stuff, water sports, just more into surfing and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the beach was still a massive part of my lifestyle. Amazing. Yeah. And what was family life like for you? Oh, family life was awesome. It still is awesome, I guess. Um, so I've got a little brother and sister. They're twins, you're younger than me. So it was kind of cool because the age gap was super close. And so we were able to stay like really close growing up, you know, both age-wise and kind of just relationally. I was kind of just like hanging out with friends all the time and mm. we're all pretty chilled out and laid back and get along really well. And then it was cool because my mum and dad are like super young as well at the same time. So they had us when, I don't know how old they were, 22 or 23 or something. So It was kind of cool always, you know, just being able to go down the beach or whatever or go water skiing, all that kind of fun stuff. So, yeah, it was really cool growing up like that. Just It was kind of more like felt like hanging out with friends and stuff all the time. So, we are always pretty close-knit. Wow, amazing. Yeah, Um, pretty blessed. (laughs) Yeah. So, was God or any kind of spirituality or religion part of your world growing up? Yeah, definitely. So, I grew up in a Christian family Mm -hmm. and... um, Honestly, like, I can't even remember a time in my life where I didn't know God was real. So, not in the sense of, like, oh, I remember, you know, saying this prayer or that prayer when I was kind of, like, 10 years old and I had this encounter when I was 12 or whatever. But Mm. I always knew just in my heart, like, I can't remember when I first knew it, but I just always knew growing up. I was like, God's real. just makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. It's almost like someone told me when I was really young and I was like, that makes sense. Like, there's this beach and nature and stuff. Like, seems to make sense to me. And then kind of encounters sort of happened later in my life. So Wow. Yeah. It's interesting how people can look at, like, science and nature and the natural world and kind of go either way. On yeah, it. yeah. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I guess I was lucky in a sense that I just had that filter of kind of seeing it that way and just being like, man, this creation is so beautiful. Like, in my head, it just naturally made sense to think 
there must be a creator. Like, I just can't see this stuff coming out of nowhere or whatever. You know what I mean? That was kind of just my train of thought. And so that's sort of what I guess just led me to believe, like, yeah, makes sense. There must be a God. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that was cool. And how about school? What was primary school like? Primary school? It was right. Like, we had, I had, like, my four best mates growing up in primary school from kind of like kindy to year five or whatever Mm -hmm. and um yeah we were super close-knit and then after that i think everyone kind of went their separate ways with school and all that kind of stuff but yeah i have some really cool memories we actually like had this photo like that we took on like a mate's balcony like we're in so funny because it's coming to me now (laughs) We took when we were like, I don't know, nine or ten years old maybe. Mm. And then we looked at it like a year ago, a year or two ago, and we're like, man, we have to recreate that. It's so crazy. Like, tracked everyone down and like wore the same clothes and got in like the same position <laughs> and like recreated it like ten years later. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was rad. So, oh, yeah, I had, I was been super blessed with a really cool childhood. Yeah. yeah. When you were an academic kid? <laughs> not really <laughs> i think i was kind of just like do what you had to do to sort of scrape by but i was kind of always like more into like going to the beach or sports and all that kind of stuff but at yeah. the same time like i don't think i was you know naturally the smartest kid in the grade or anything i kind of just always tried to keep up and then i had a lot of friends who were super intelligent so it's was kind of like well all my friends are intelligent like i need to be intelligent as well so like i try mm-hmm. extra hard to like get in the you know, advanced maths class or whatever, just so I could be with those guys and I'd be like, okay, sweet, now I can slack off and yeah. <laughs> just cruise because I've gotten into the good class and now I can kick back. And okay. So, yeah, yeah, it was kind of more just to keep up with, like, relationally, that's kind of what I always pursued. So I was like, oh, my friends are in the not as good math class. I'll do not as well this time. Or they're in the better math class. I'll try really hard. So mm-hmm. it was kind of just like where anyone was. I was like, I'll just do what I've got to do to get into a certain class. So Yeah. Yeah. So you're quite an extrovert from a young age yeah i reckon like i did that uh, myers-briggs test the mm. other day and i was like 70 percent extrovert and i was like that makes sense <laughs> i really <laughs> enjoy spending time with people and yeah processing things with other people especially i think i'm just very interpersonal in that way but mm-hmm. yeah definitely started when i was younger i was just like i just want to hang out with people <laughs> yeah that <laughs> so was good and did you know as a young kid what you wanted to do when you grew up oh gosh I think it was always probably like I want to be a professional like sportsman in this regard or I want to be a pro surfer or I want to be, you know, something professional, you know what I mean? Or I just mm-hmm. want to be a rock star or something like that. Not kind of like a I want to be a fireman and save the world. It was kind of just like anything I loved doing at the time, I was like I want to be a professional because then I can just do that all the time. So Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And so you were in a Christian family. Were you yeah. guys going to a church regularly? Yeah, so I can't remember actually what the first church we ever went to was called, but uh, it was in Manly Vale. And I remember when I kind of got old enough to kind of go to Sunday school or whatever, I think I must have been like eight years old or nine years old. I think there wasn't really a platform there for my parents to send us as little grommies. So we ended up moving churches to a church called St. Faith's, which Mm -hmm. is in Narrabeen. And uh, yeah, I kind of grew up there, I think, until we were... A little bit older and then we moved to Belrose Uniting. And so coming out of primary school you said you sort of went different ways with your friends. What was yep. high school like? Uh, high school was awesome. So I went to Covenant Christian School mm-hmm. and so that's like a K to 12 kind of school. So oh, okay. it was good for me because I just stayed and then uh, there was five of us and two of the guys went to different schools which was cool and I don't really see those guys as much anymore but they're awesome guys doing cool things. And then 
the two other guys, I still see him kind of like every week now. Like, so it's, yeah, we formed some pretty close relationships. I think that school was really good in the sense that it kind of offered a platform where you could really connect with people relationally. And like, I think I'm super blessed in my grade, I guess, that we've all stuck together and we've all been really close knit, kind of like family type relationships where I still see all the people I know, I guess I want to see. <laughs> I still see them all kind of every week or every month or whatever it looks like. So Great. high school is really cool relationally, I guess. With your faith and, and being a teenager, yeah. did you go through difficulties or did your faith strengthen um, in that time? I think like for me, like I kind of always say like when people ask me my story and all that kind of stuff, like I've always known God's been there. And I've always known that he's been real. I've known that he's good and that he loves me and all that kind of stuff. Just really growing up in like a Christian family that kind of gets ingrained into you. Mm -hmm. But it took so much time for me to kind of actually not ride off the coattails of other people and actually have my own encounter and all that kind of stuff. So I'm 23 now and I think I would say I only got born again when I was probably 19. Um, So growing up at school, you know, you struggle with all that kind of same stuff you do when you grow up in the Northern Beaches, you kind of have one foot in the world and then one foot in church and then you feel really ashamed for going to church because you're doing bad stuff in the week or whatever and you're kind of juggling things and thinking like, oh man, like the Christian life's so hard and like this is so hard not to do this and that and blah, blah, blah and all that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always those little struggles and kind of everyone's kind of partying at that age and stuff and like especially growing up on the beaches is a massive party culture but I think like there were so many little things that I look back on now and I'm like man that if it wasn't for that thing and I guess so many people sowed seeds into my life which really helped me protect a faith that I didn't even realize I had at the time if that makes sense so anything from just kind of having teachers that I looked up to or you know people that were kind of older than me at the same school that were kind of really going after Jesus and stuff or people at church that were going after Jesus really just being able to pour into me. You know, if I'd take one foot off the path, it'd kind of pull me back on and I'd be like, oh yeah, cool. Like, yeah, see, <laughs> let's chase down Jesus. Let's not, you know, go and get pissed or whatever. Like just, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of cool in that regard. Nice. Yeah. And were you involved in like a youth group or something like that? Yeah. So I think we went to Belrose Uniting when I was like pretty young primary school sometime then. And like ever since then to like kind of like year nine or 10, I was like in youth group like every Friday. I was like, man, this is the sickest thing ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you get to play games with people that are older than you. Like, okay, this is so fun. <laughs> they actually want to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they actually want to hang out. It's like, what the heck? Why do these people want to hang out with me? Like, I'm just a frustrating little grummy running around. And then I would have probably stayed there until like year 10 or something until it kind of got uncool. And it's like, wait, why am I here? Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Did you kind of drift from your faith or you just drifted from Um, I think I drifted... Not necessarily from my faith, like the one thing that's been crazy cool growing up, like I was saying, that realization of just being like, yeah, God is so real and I do know that he does love me. And Mm. those two things in itself always kept me, I guess, out of trouble, I guess, or just really kept me aligned with like, you know, what his purpose was for me and just... It's almost like I, I 100% knew that he was real. Even though I was still, you know, like I said, riding off the coattails of other people, I still had small encounters and all that kind of thing, which really solidified how it really was to me. And I just had these encounters where I was like, I can't throw that away. So in a sense, I was like, yeah, I'm trying out the world and I'm trying out these things because it looks really like fun or it looks really like satisfying, but 
I think I quickly learned a lot of things didn't have substance and a lot of things, I don't know, I guess it was really just short-term pleasure or whatever. And I was kind of like, at the end of the day, like a lot of stuff I did just left me super, you know, um, not filled, you know, there was no substance. There was no like, oh, this is cool. It was all kind of just like, you know, empty, I guess. And so it was weird. It felt like there was always, it feels wrong saying this, but it felt like there was always a grace to kind of be like, oh, wait, like, what am I doing? Like, I know you, God, you know? Even though I was kind of in a place where I was like, I don't even have a faith for myself. It's kind of like, you know what I mean? So, so, so like, small pockets here and there, but small encounters came as they came, and that's sort of what kept me on track and kept me kind of pushing forward. But, you know, went through a whole bunch of different things and different struggles and all that kind of stuff growing up, yeah. Well, especially in high school, I guess, yeah. Yeah. And um, what was your kind of academic life like then um so probably in high school i got a little more serious just because i'm the kind of person that's i'm super Mm self-competitive so like even like surfing for example i'll be like oh cool i did that turn like maybe let's try and do it better and like every time paddle out it's kind of like let's surf better than the last time or Mm -hmm. so it's the same as school i was kind of like oh cool like i got a good mark like that totally means I can get a better mark, you know? And so I think growing up, I got a lot more driven when I was in kind of high school. Um, But then on the flip side, I get super disappointed if I didn't get something that measured up to, Mm. you know, whoever's standard of what you need to be to get X, Y, Z. So academically, I sort of wised up a little bit in the Mm. later years because I was kind of like, I guess at school you kind of taught like, you know, get a good mark, get into uni, do that whole thing. So I was like, well, I guess that's the only way. So Mm. I was kind of like, cool, got to get a good mark to get into my course to do all that. So year 11 and 12, I kind of shaped up, quote unquote, to kind Mm -hmm. of like pursue uni and all that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So did you give up on the idea of being a sportsman? (laughs) Yeah, big time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of, it went from being like competitive to then sort of, like, I grew up playing, like, soccer and cricket and all that kind of stuff to being, like, I just want to go surfing. I just want to go to the beach, like, mm-hmm. have fun with my friends and stuff. I was never competitive at all when it came to any of that stuff that I'm still passionate about now, like, surfing and all that. I was just kind of, like, I just like doing it. It's just fun. Like, there's nothing yeah. that compares to just having that lifestyle and that being immersed in nature. Like, it's so mm-hmm. – you can't even explain it. It's, like, this is just so cool. And I think the social aspect of it, too, just so far outweighed me wanting to even consider having that as something that I tried to go deeper with and be competitive outside the realm of just myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. Musically, maybe there was times where I was sort of like, oh, I'd like to, you know, have a go at, you know, shooting after that. Yeah, I mean, that's still in the back of my head as well too, so. Okay, so you grew up doing music? Yeah, so I distinctly remember, like, driving in the car one day and there was me, my bro, my sis just in the backseat. And mum picked us up from school or something. And we are driving somewhere. And mum was like, do any of you guys want to learn an instrument? Like, we were super young. And my bro and sis like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, I've kind of wanted to play guitar. Like, that'd be kind of cool. Like, that'd be the cool thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And um, mum was like, all right, cool. Like, do you want to get lessons? Like, we can go and get a, you know, beginner's guitar or like whatever. And it's just a cheap one. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I've been playing guitar my whole life, basically. And then singing came probably about two and a half, three years ago. Always wanted to sing, but kind of never got there until about three years ago. Wow. So, yeah, it was good fun. Okay. And so did you end up doing the whole uni thing after school? Yeah, so I graduated and then 
got into the course that I needed, which was a Bachelor of Commerce and a Bachelor of uh, contemporary, contemporary Music. Okay. So I did a double degree. Was the commerce like the fallback for the music? Well, I wasn't even singing at all at this stage. So I was always like, oh, you can't really do anything just being a guitarist. Like I'm not good enough for that, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Went through a whole bunch of like self-worth, all that kind of jazz. In between school and uni was super like, I have no purpose, blah, 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 super kind of depressive thoughts and all that. Just had to figure out, figure out a whole bunch of junk in my life. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was kind of like, oh, I guess like I just do business. Like that's what you do. You go to school and you get, you know, you go to uni and just do the grind every day. You know, that's life, man, like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my mentality. So did business and I was like, man, this is kind of dry. Like, so I didn't really have a heart for it back then, but I was kind of doing it because it felt like the right thing to do. So I just did it. And then I was like, yeah, this is pretty dry. So I'll just do music as well to keep it fresh. And, you know, I've, you know, always enjoyed putting creative twists on things. So I think even in the business world, it's kind of cool to have music. And my mind just, I like to think more creatively and think outside the square and have different perspectives on things. And so music was kind of like, well, I like playing music. It kind of adds that, you know, at least I'm passionate about that. And, you know, I can do that. And then I think in the back of my head, I was always kind of like, yeah, maybe I can, you know, take music further. Like, who Mm. knows? Like, it could happen. So, I'll just do it for the sake of doing it. But it ended up just being a cool thing to do Mm -hmm. while I was at uni. Yeah, just broaden the horizons a bit, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you spoke about when you were 19, being born again, as they put it. Yeah. Yeah, What was that? What does that look like? I finished school when I was 17. And so, the first year of uni... Uh, and the second year of uni were like probably the hardest years of my life I'd say like just in terms of like one foot in the world one foot in church and stuff and I was kind of like looking at like I said I always had that mentality of like I know God's real and I know he loves me and um so that was like my my rock kind of thing and like what I'd fall back on but I'd look at the church and honestly I was like man I hate the church like there's I see no fruit in the church I see just a bunch of Christians that are just this, that, and whatever, you know, they just go out and do the exact same thing as the world, and then they come back on Sunday, but they just feel super ashamed and super upset, and, like, there's no actual revelation of what I read in the Bible, you know, so I was reading all this stuff, like, Jesus' ministry, he'd go out and, like, heal the sick, and, like, cast out demons, and, like, feed the hungry, and I was like, honestly, I don't see that in church, and I don't see that in my circle, I don't see it kind of anywhere and so i was kind of like man what's the point of church like I don't, i'm not seeing this stuff anywhere it's not leveling up to what it should look like like yeah the body just isn't representing what god is and that's what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and that was like my mindset for like a year or something and i was struggling massively with just purpose and just waking up every morning being like i'm going to uni for no reason like i don't like what i'm doing i don't want to be in the business world later because i didn't realize i had a heart for it then yet and because I hadn't stepped into what I was kind of created for. Then at the end of 2012, we're about to go on a beach mission. So it's really funny I say beach mission because I was still kind of like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but like, you know, doing all this other junk and all that kind of stuff. But now I'm about to go and serve and go on beach mission and tell people about Jesus. So it's kind of like paradoxical, I guess, in a sense, or a bit contradictory, but... So this is like a little holiday where you go and... Yeah, basically it's like five days where we went up to um, a place called Evans Head. It's about like, I think, half an hour south of Byron. So it's just up the coast a bit. We just go and do a whole bunch of outreach where we just go and we just um, teach kids about Jesus, basically. Go to a caravan park mm-hmm. and just, um, 
yeah, blast these little grommies with Jesus, which is sick. But um, <laughs> I was still in a place where I was like, I don't even know why I'm here, like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm trying to be on fire, but like I'm not. But anyway, 28th of December, I think it was, or 27th, something around that time, we were about to leave. And my best mate, he's been my best mate for like my whole life, Josh, he came to me one day and we just just got out of the surf. And he's like, dude, I need to tell you something. And I was like, what's up, bro? Like, talk to me. And he's kind of like, man, I just had this met this guy keith and he just had this gave me she kind of shared all this stuff with me and he prayed for me i had this really radical encounter with the holy spirit and i was like i don't know what the heck any of that means but it's like something in my heart just was like boom and it just skipped a beat and was just like something in me was just like this is everything you've wanted right now and i remember him going around and being really zealous and telling all these people this kind of encounter he'd had and everyone was like no dude that's like rubbish like none of that's kind of like makes sense or it doesn't line up with this that you know because he's kind of super zealous and just going after telling people and it's like when you experience something so amazing all you want to do is go and tell all your friends you know what i mean but i was remember being like kind of one of the only people that was sort of like dude i don't know what you've got but i want it like i saw a difference in him like i literally look into his eyes and be like you're a different person like what happened Mm -hmm. and so he'd share this story of how you know he met this guy on site because he was a chippy and um a carpenter and um he kind of shared all this truth with him about who he was and like his identity in christ and that he was created with value and worth because i kind of grew up being like slammed with like you're a sinner you're worthless like all this and so that didn't help me when i'm trying to like find out my purpose and in the back of my head i'm kind of like oh man i'm like a worthless sinner that's like you know god does like god loves me but he's super angry at me but like you know what's the deal it seems super it's like a paradox it doesn't even make sense you know and then Josh is telling me all this stuff like, no, dude, you're so worthy of his love. Like you're created, you're like, you have so much created value. He knew you before the creation of the world. I'm thinking like, what the heck? This is so incredible. Like, and um, he said that Keith prayed for him. He had this radical encounter with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit came through his body, like water rushing through his body. And I was like, dude, just, I don't know what it is. Just pray for me for that. And he prayed for me and um, I just remember like clear as day was sitting in this oval like in like devotions time on like this beach mission and he prayed for me and I was just so hungry for Jesus. I was like, I literally need Jesus. I'm at the place right now where I'm like, I don't feel loved at all. Like I feel so insufficient. I feel so, I don't feel any value in my life whatsoever. There's no substance in my life. I'm just plodding along. I'm just doing the grind and I'm not even in the grind yet, you know? And I'm kind of <laughs> like, I'm living for something that's like, I don't want, you know, Mm. and then he prayed for me and I just radically encountered my father for like the first time properly. It was like the color came back to the world and I saw these crazy visions of us like standing on a hill or something and these stars from heaven were coming down and, and it was like so insane. And then ever since then, I was just like, boom, charging for Jesus. I was like, oh my gosh, if Jesus can come and experience me and I can encounter him when I'm at my lowest, like he can do that for everyone, you know, and he fully gave me life. And it says that like Jesus came to give life and life in abundance. And that's the exact experience that I had. And then I started to see people get healed, like on the streets and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so that's the long story short, but that's kind of the encounter that I had where I feel like, yeah, I just got born again. Like I just said, you know what, I give up. I'm going to give you my whole life, Jesus, and just chase after you and just be surrendered, you know, just sur- I'll just surrender my life to him and just go. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, that was kind of it. It's good. Wow. 
And so you were partway through your uni degrees yep. at that point. Did yep. life look quite different after that encounter? I think the joy came back into my life. It was almost mm. like everything else swept away. It went from like, you know, struggling to pass uni exams and all that and struggling to even like, you know, not get out of bed, but struggling just to have purpose or anything to being like, oh, actually I do really like business, but I don't have to like it in the way that I'm told to like it. Mm. So for example, like, I really felt while I was at school, it was really pushed on you to go to uni. And then when you were at uni, it was really pushed on you to, this is how you can go and make a hundred grand a year. This is how you can go get a job at PwC or this accounting firm or whatever, which is awesome if that's what you're driven towards and that's what you feel your purpose is and you're operating out of, you know, that calling. But for me, it was like, I want to run my own business. I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to do all this stuff. I want to write music. I want to go and gig and do all this stuff and have time to like wake up in the morning and go for a surf because like for my whole life it was drilled into me of like oh these are the good years man like don't forget these years these are the best years of your life like you're on uni holidays and that's cool and you just have your part-time job and you can travel and I was like frick that like everyone's saying you can't do this and you got to go and slog away at like your nine to five in like the city or whatever and I was like man that's amazing if that's what you want but for me, I was like, I want to create my own lifestyle where I can fit in the things that I want to do. Mm. And so I think I just started to realize created value and I started to realize that I was loved and I started to realize that the desires that I had on my heart, the stuff that I actually really wanted to do was like, oh crap, I can actually do this stuff. Like I can actually wake up in the morning, go for a surf and then go and study and like actually I'm really blessed to be able to get this uh, education and I'm really privileged to be able to have these people in my uni class that I could get to you know share Jesus with or whatever it was like it just turned on turned from like the negative and just God did a 180 on my life and everything was just like it's like nothing drastically changed mm. in the sense of practically what I was doing but my mindset fully changed and my perspective on life was like oh my gosh I'm loved like because the whole world's waiting to know that they're loved. You know, it's the one thing everyone needs connection. Everyone needs to know that they're loved. And I found that. And I was like, and it's like not saying that I didn't get that from family or anything, but it has to be deeper. It has to be something of like true spiritual substance. And I found that and I was like, oh my gosh, it doesn't even matter. I could be doing anything right now. And I'm still like, whoa, Jesus loves me. Like he paid his whole heaven went bankrupt to buy me back. Like what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, nothing looked drastically different, like you said, practically, but just my outlook on everything completely changed. And I just became, I guess, more of a positive person and just more secure in who I was. Like I was the most insecure person in the world. Like it was crazy. So just things like that kind of did a 180, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And how did the people around you respond? Uh, that's a funny question. <laughs> so when all this stuff kind of happened, like I felt like I got drastically pulled out of religion and I entered into relationship. And so I was like, whoa, I just experienced love. I experienced all this stuff. I'm learning all these new interpretations of the Bible, I guess, saying I've never heard taught before but this is so truth like it's resonating in my heart and all this stuff and I finally got to meet this guy Keith who's like one of my best friends now and like I literally would see people get healed in front of me like a guy walked in with crutches into the one of the meetings and he walked out without crutches wow. I saw a guy get like literally delivered from a demon like where a demon came out of him and I was like what the heck is that like that is that real like I, what's going on right now you know mm. so there's all this crazy stuff going on and like I was so filled with wonder, like in the early days of just like, Keith would be like, dude, you can go and pray for the sick. And I'd be like, 
what the heck? Like I can put my hand on the sick and they'll be healed. Like what? And so I'd go out and do that and people would start getting healed and people would start, you know, doing all that. So that was really cool. But I'd go and tell my friends that were in church still and all that. And they'd be like, no, dude, this isn't right. You're, you're in trouble, man. I'm worried for you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Like this is the first time I've ever experienced life. And now kind of everyone I'm chatting to is sort of like, no, dude, you're wrong. You're wrong. This, that, like, but what about this? What about this teaching? And what about, you know, past so-and-so and all this kind of stuff? What about what they're teaching all this? And I'm like, yeah, I did that. And it led me to like a really depressed place where I wanted to go and sleep with the world, but then also enjoy church on Sunday. Whereas now I'm sold out for Jesus. For me, it was really funny because I was way too zealous and I had so little revelation with anything. So like, I was so offensive to people. I'd just be like, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> so at first there was a bit of like tension, I guess, and things didn't work out the way that I thought it would. Like for me, it resonated in my heart and I saw people and I was like, you guys are carrying something I want. So I'm going to do anything to serve you and honor you to get out of you what you have so that I can walk in that, you know? But I guess lots of other people didn't see it the same way. And we're kind of like, well, this is really different to my belief system. Like, this is way too weird for me. Like, what the heck is the prophetic? What is, like, he's speaking in tongues? Like, what is that? That's so weird. That's not for today. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you need to calm down. That stuff's not for today, man. Like, the gifts died, bro. Like, you know, like, you got to wake up to reality. And, like, you know, the Christian life, bro, it can be depressing sometimes. But you got to slog on, man. Like, all that kind of stuff. And so I found it hard because in the early days, there was a lot of tension and a lot of, like, clashing and stuff. But God had a crazy grace i guess over my life where i remember i'd be talking on the phone with josh and i'd be like dude people don't get it what the heck is so weird like because i literally loved people like i really did love people and it wasn't like i just want you to see this so that you know i can feel good for sharing it it was like i want you to see this because i love you and i can see you're in a place of like brokenness for whoever it was you know and i was like i just want you to see this because this is the truth and the truth sets you free and so it wasn't from a place of pride or arrogance or anything like that. I was like, I just want you to have what I have, you know. So I think God had a grace for me in a sense where, you know, people would get offended at me and stuff, but I wouldn't get discouraged or anything and I'd keep pressing on. And he really gave me eyes for who to follow and for who to fall under in terms of leadership and the kind of circles to, you know, gravitate towards and the kind of people to listen to, the pastors and all that kind of stuff. Because, yeah, so there was an amazing grace for that where, I didn't have to get offended because it was like, I don't have to get offended by people that didn't give me anything because Jesus gave me everything and he's never going to leave. So I think, I guess that was really cool that he gave me that mindset early on because if it was me operating, I would have just been like, freak you anyway, dude, like whatever, you know, because I was so young and zealous. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I had no revelation. And people would be like, where's it say that in the Bible? And I'd be like, I don't know. Like I only just started reading it like two weeks ago, but like, you know what I mean? So that was a real grace from God in that place where I didn't have to get discouraged or anything. And I could keep pressing into truth and growing with him. And especially just having intimacy with him was the biggest thing ever, just getting to close the door and, read the word and worship him and just get to actually know him as a father and a friend you know Mm. that was the biggest thing it's interesting i think your experience is something that a lot of christians do experience when they come to their own revelation the opposition you get is not necessarily from people who fundamentally disagree with you Mm. but disagree with you on i guess the way it looks yeah and plays out yeah so true would you have anything i don't know from your experience or from your theological perspective to share around i guess addressing 
those beliefs that mm. perhaps healing isn't for today and speaking yeah. in tongues isn't for today and things like that. Yeah, totally. I think like at the end of the day, like this is what my experience has been and I can only ever speak from my experience, obviously. But I just know that I grew and it like, honestly, like I'm not hating church or calling out churches or anything like that. Like my experience was religious because I made it religious and that was my mindset. And I came under the biggest thing for my life with the transformation was I lived a life where every single day I thought I was going to hell. And actually I knew that God loved me, but I just was plagued with condemnation, you know? And so the biggest thing for me was like, it was almost like we have this almighty God that's up in heaven and he's really amazing and he's really good. But, you know, like we can't fully know him. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my mindset with everything and kind of, I don't want to say what I was taught because at the end of the day, it could have just been my misinterpretation and things like that. And I honestly do love church and I honestly do love what's going on in the beaches, but because people are just doing the best they know. They're teaching what their fathers before them taught them and so on and so on, you know? Um, but for me, the biggest radical difference came from actually knowing God and actually knowing that you can be in a place where you have such an intimate relationship with him, where your whole mindset changes from, oh, I can't do this. I can't have sex with that anymore. I can't drink anymore. I can't do drugs anymore or whatever it is for whatever struggle it is that person has to, oh my goodness, I know my father so much that I would do anything to protect my relationship with him. Mm. You know, it's almost like that analogy of like, let's take like sex before marriage or something because it's such a massive thing in the church that people are like, oh, like, you know, Christians is like, they're just boring. Like they're the same as well, but they just can't have sex, you know, and all that kind of stuff. As soon as we realize the goodness of God and get a revelation on purity and things like that, it's like, it goes from this striving mentality of like, I can't do this. I can't touch this. I can't blah, 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 whatever it is to like, actually I get to walk alongside someone that's so incredible that I love so much and I want my life to actually be a gift to this person Mm. that I can't wait to be before the altar where I get to you know be in a place of utmost purity and like walk in that revelation of love with that person and I get to actually be a gift to them so for me the whole thing was like literally striving to stewardship and it was like whoa I actually get to steward a relationship that I don't even deserve, but it's this unmerited favor favor where heaven went bankrupt to buy me back into the image and likeness of God, to buy me back into his family, where I literally, it says that we have the boldness to be able to approach the throne, that we can now, that door's unlocked, the veil's been torn. And so the biggest thing for me was like, you can actually know God. You know, it's preached for two. It's been preached so much in my life that you can know God, but like not that well. Like, and it's almost <laughs> like we we worship this mute, dumb, deaf idol that's like, oh, but he doesn't talk anymore, man. Like he only talks through the word, which is so true. He does speak through the word, but it's Holy Spirit can only move once the word of God's come first. And so the word of God comes and then Holy Spirit makes it real and makes it living. Like without Holy Spirit, it's just a book. It's just fiction. You know what I mean? So for me, it was like, you can actually go in your room and like speak to him like a friend and live life every single day with him like a friend, like a father, like he wars for you. He will do anything to get you, you know? So that like, I don't even know if any of that kind of made sense, but like, I'm just speaking off the top of my mind here. But like the biggest thing for me was like, you can actually know God. As soon as we get a revelation that we can know him, we'll start to represent him in such, the, such an amazing way. And like, 
if you hang around me, you know that I say this all the time. It's like the only reason people outside the church aren't believers or anything yet is because people haven't seen the church be a good representation of the Father yet. People haven't seen that happen. And it says in the Bible, it says that all of creation is in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest in the world. You know, so it's like everyone everywhere needs love. Everyone needs connection. That's just how we're created. We're created for family. At the heart of God is family, you know, and everyone needs that connection. It's just like, man, once you start to realize what you can walk in, being your created value, being what he brought back on the cross, that you can walk in the fullness of your purpose, that he actually saw you before the creation of the earth and he saw you, Rachel, and me, Jace, and he saw our faces and he saw our personalities and he created us with desires and purpose before he even created the world. And he was like, yep. You guys are perfect. Like you guys are going to do so well and I've chosen you and you're going to, you know, be born in this time and you can, you have the chance to radically impact the earth. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I always say this, it's like everyone has kind of like an individualized fingerprint. Like I have a different one to you. No one has the same one. It's because only you can leave your mark on the earth. You know what I mean? Like Mm. you have an incredible purpose. I have an incredible purpose that only we can walk out. And it's like for so long, I was living in so much insecurity where like just a painting example, I'd literally walk into a room and I'd look at all the girls and I'd look at all the dudes. Straight away, I'd look at the dudes and be like, all right, I'm better than that person. I'm better than that person. That dude's better than me. What can I do to... I'd shape myself up straight away. You know what I mean? I'd measure myself up. Any girl, I'd be like, what do I have to do to be their savior? What do I have to do to be able to get love from them? What do I have to do to even just be like, oh, you're awesome, Jace. You know what I mean? It's like, man, the second I realized the created value that I had in me just being me, that God loves the real me, he doesn't love the fake me. You know, he loves the way that I like to dress. He loves the me doing things that I like to do because he put those desires on my heart. So like all of this just comes back to intimacy with the father. It just comes back to knowing him. You know, it's like God doesn't even care if you're out on the streets, you know, preaching and being the best evangelist or being the best pastor or being the best businessman or whatever. He just cares that, when you get to heaven, you just go back to where you left off. You know what I mean? I'm going to get to heaven and it's not going to be like, whoa, Jesus, like, oh my gosh, I finally know you, blah, blah. It's going to be like, yeah. Jesus, where did we where did we stop? What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, surfing, whatever. It's like, <laughs> let's keep going, you know? Yeah. And it's going to be amazing. But it's like, mm. for some reason, it feels like in church, it's this God that we can't actually know. And it's like, when we get to heaven, it'll be like, Jesus, you're real. Oh my gosh. Like, I kind of only 50% knew it. But it's like, no, you can fully know him right now. You can know everything about him right now. And it's like, it's all there, you know? And it's like, God's so just waiting to bless his kids. It's like the biggest thing in my life has been ask and you'll receive, honestly. It's like, ask for a deeper relationship, you'll receive it. Ask for gifts, you'll receive it. All that good stuff. And it's like, man, we don't have to be insecure anymore. We can be so secure in who we are. We can be so secure in our identity. And it's like, man, as soon as I learned identity, as soon as I learned that I can have intimacy with the Father, my life drastically changed because it was like, I don't have to walk around measuring myself up to people because I'm so loved by him, the guy that created me, or the God that created me, I should say. It's like, man, everything just fell into place. Fear came off my life. Worry came off my life. I didn't wake up being like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do today? Like, I'm freaking out. Like, I've got an exam or I've got this or I'm struggling to get clients or whatever it is, you know, whatever stage of life. It's like, man, God's got me. I'm exactly where he wants me to be. I can rest easy, you know, like sometimes in society and stuff, we're really good at doing 
like our culture teaches us to be really good at doing and it's like all right if i want more work i just need to do more work i just need to do this blah blah blah. but god in the kingdom it's the flip side it's like you just need to be you Mm. just need to learn who you are you just need to be you just need to wait on him and he'll give you every answer you could ever possibly need and that can only come out of intimacy Mm. and so i guess what i kind of learned was like man don't be a sunday christian you know what i mean like i don't I, i got nothing from that i did that whole thing I was a Sunday Christian, I go and sleep with the world and it didn't get me anywhere. And then I realized, man, it's all about lifestyle Christianity. It's all about having Jesus as your lifestyle where mm. you could just run after him all day long. And yeah, that was the biggest thing. Identity, intimacy, mm. all that stuff. Knowing that I could know him, that's everything. You know, you can know God. You can know the fullness of his heart. You know, it's, I mean, you can't, like he's so big. His love is so big, but you can always be pressing deeper and growing with him and it's just like, man, as soon as I learned, God's not angry at me. He actually loves me and he foreknew me and he's got plans for me and he wants to see me do my best. Everything changed. So. Wow. That's kind of my story. <laughs> great. Yeah. I like that you've sort of drawn out there that God actually loves you and loves your traits and this sort of yeah. thing. Because we can kind of reduce it or not receive it because we mm. think of it as a kind of blanket. Yeah. Jesus is just loving and he just loves everybody, which is true. But yeah, like, yeah, it's totally true. But he actually yeah. loves who you are. Yeah, he loves yeah. who you are. That's the thing. Mm. And I always think this is like, because it says in Ephesians that he predestined us out of love. So out of his love, he saw us before the creation of the world. And he was like, yep, you, Rachel, you will do so well. Like this is what the personality will suit you amazingly. You're going to love these things because I know you're going to love them and all that thing. So it's like, man, because it says in the Psalms, it says um, the Lord will give you every desire of your heart if you delight yourself in him. Because mm. it's like, well, I don't want to delight myself in anything else. I'll delight myself in the Lord and every desire I could ever want is his because mm. he gave them to me and so they're mine, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, as soon as I learned that, like, it was amazing. Cause it's like God doesn't love the fake you. He loves the real you. So it's like we need to stop walking around so insecure and feeling judged and all that kind of stuff because reality is like when it doesn't matter if someone's judging you it doesn't matter if all that kind of stuff and like there's no point being offended because it's like he loves you so much and he always will you spoke before about you know how ideally the church would reflect the father yeah in your life what does that kind of look like day to day honestly it just looks like looking like jesus so it actually says in Ephesians 4, it says it's talking about unity and it's talking about um, growing up into who Jesus has called you to be, right? So I was talking before about operating out of your created value and it starts talking about um, uh, the church and what the church is supposed to do to help you to look like Jesus. And it talks about pastors and it talks about teachers and evangelists, like people that go and spread the word of Jesus and, and prophets and apostles and things like that it talks about their role in the church and people in in the ministry their role is to grow up the saints so us into the full measure and stature of christ and so the church is supposed to be this place that that takes people and and grows with them and is family and they do life together and they bounce off each other and they when they're in suffer when one's in suffering they're all in suffering when one's in joy they all enjoy they literally do life together where they love each other so deeply where they're not there to get anything out of each other but they're just there to be have their life as a gift to the next person or a gift to the person next to them and it's like you don't have to be a pastor to love someone you just have to let your life reflect who you were created to be so if I realize that Jesus loves me, my life is naturally going to reflect that love and people around me are going to feel loved. And so then after that, in Ephesians, it says, 
go and be imitators of Christ. The church is actually going to start to look like the Father when we start imitating Jesus. And it's not by trying. It's not by striving towards being Jesus. It's in, it's in, the, in the place of intimacy where we learn who we are and we just be. And it's like, man, God, like, he doesn't need anything from you. You know what I mean? He doesn't need you to do this or to do this. Like, there's literally nothing you can do in your life right now or in the past or in the future that will change how much he loves you. Because he already loves you out of the fullness of who he is. He operates as a father God. And that's the most sufficient office in which there's security and there's love and there's nurturing of his kids. And it's like, I always say to this, say this to people around me. I'm like, there's literally nothing you can do to make him love you more or to make him love you less. Like, it doesn't matter. Anything you do tonight will not change how he loves you when you wake up in the morning. But the only thing that can change is our ability to receive it. And so as soon as we open up our ability to receive it and be like, oh, yes, it's like a deep breath where you're like, whoa, the color of the world's come back. It's like, whoa, Jesus, you actually are real and you love me so much. Like, you gave your life so that I could have life. Like, the creator of the world, who is before all things and in him all things were created, gave his life so that I could have life. There's no deeper expression or injustice of love ever. So as soon as we learn that, and as soon as we learn to just be and to just let God take over and for us to just give him our life, you know, and that's not a striving thing. That's just us letting go. You know, it's like, God, you can have my anxieties. I don't want them anymore. You can have my worries. You can have my fears. Like I'm sick of waking up scared and afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm just going to give everything to you. As soon as we do that out of a place of just being and letting go and just coming to God. And I I always picture in my head, like I I hold my heart. It sounds weird, but I hold my heart in my hands Mm -hmm. and I come to God and I'm like, dad, you can just have my heart. You can have it all. Do whatever you've got to do with it because I know you want the best for me and I'm going to run so well and I'm going to represent you so well because you can't love yourself until you know you're loved by him and you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself because it says the first command is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, all that good stuff. And then the second command is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can't, I can only love my neighbor as well as I love myself. That's the benchmark there. And so for the church to properly start to represent what I was talking about before the father, we need to start to let go. We need to let go of our insecurities. We need to let go of our bondage. We need to let go of our fear and worry. It says, do not fear. It's the biggest command in the whole Bible. It says, do not fear because you don't have to. It's such a false facade. You know, fear is such a false facade. And I get it. People are going through some really real stuff. And sometimes life is so hard. But Jesus went through so much more to buy us back. And there's nothing he hasn't gone through. There's no temptation he doesn't know. There's no anything that even comes close to him not knowing that situation or being able to relate to you or be able to be there for you or to be able to have him as someone you can fall back on. Like he's the rock, you know, he's the redeemer. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we learn how loved we are, that's when we're actually going to start to represent Jesus is when we actually learn that he knows us. And when Mm -hmm. we learn that he loves us, then it's naturally going to, or supernaturally even, going to overflow out from us. So that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? People are going to see the church and, and God's raising up a people right now that are starting to understand that and walk in that revelation of love where people are actually going to see a people that, like love is selfless. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't do things for people so I can get something back. I do it because I love them because I first experienced that love, you know? And that's when things are going to happen because... I've experienced his love. Now I get to go and love people freely. Mm. And then that's when people are going to start to be like, whoa, there's something different about this guy. Like he's not just saying, 
hey, dude, Jesus loves you because he wants something from me. I don't go around and pray for people on the streets and do all that kind of stuff or, you know, run past and be a part of my community and pastor my community because I want something from anyone. I do it because Jesus loved me so much that it's an overflow of what he's done inside of me and I can't help but love everyone around me. I can't help but want to be a gift to everyone around me. It's like, it's funny, like people say like, oh my gosh, like God's gift to, you know, women or this, that, whatever. But it's like God literally created you to be a gift to other people. So it's mm-hmm. funny, like <laughs> it's a funny expression, but it just came to me now. But it's like, oh, it's actually legit. I just want to be a <laughs> gift to people, you know. Yeah. I want to be God's gift to people. Yeah. And do you have any stories that you would share with us? Maybe some that stand out from when you have shared Jesus with people or prayed for people? Yeah, I've seen like, I don't know, thousands of miracles, I want to say like, some really um insane stuff of people jesus just radically restoring people's lives um which has just been like amazing because miracles are like the easiest part of being a christian because it's not you that does them you just got to step out and be bold and jesus does everything through you so it's like i can't even take any of the credit (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is awesome this one isn't like a healing or anything like that but i i just got to firsthand see like restoration in someone's life you know and i found that to be really amazing I was at a cafe with my parents just down the road from from me in Monaval. I live in Monaval at the moment. And um, we just walked down, we just grabbing a coffee, and it was cool. We literally go to the same cafe, like, probably four times a week, like, the same one. And for some reason, like, I swear it must have been a God thing. Like, it has to have been. Mum was like, oh, let's try this one. I was like, oh, okay, it's a bit weird. Like, we're not going to our regular one. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I was like, don't let them see us. That'll be awkward. <laughs> but um, we just went in and... I was ordering something and then instantly God goes to me and goes, don't turn around, but there's a lady behind you and I want you to go over and tell her how much I love her and that every single desire on her heart, I'm going to bless to her. And I was like, cool. So I did a quick like kind of turned around a little bit, tilted my head a bit just so I could see who she was without being awkward. And I was like, cool, right. And God was like, "Um, go talk to her later. Like, um, so I was like, cool, like very specific word from God. And I was like, that's awesome. I honor that. And so when I sat down, we're just having a coffee and I just looked over and she was still there chatting with her friend and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, mom, dad, I just got a word for this lady over there. I'm just going to go, um, share Jesus with her. And they're like, yeah, sick. And so went over and I was like, just started sharing with her and she just started losing it, crying. And it was, it was amazing. I just got to see, I went to share all the things that I kind of shared, but like, it was crazy to see the restoration that Jesus brought out of just like one step of being obedient, just being like, I'm just going to say yes, you know? Mm. And it ended up being that all these crazy connections happened. And um, I was like, look, we run like this community on Wednesday. Like, would you like to come? Like I, she, she's like a missionary. And I was like, I think she was there for a little time longer. And she was kind of looking for a bit of a community that was kind of like-minded and she could, you know, be a part of occasionally when she was over in Australia and stuff and I gave her the details and I was like come along like I'd love to just we'll get the whole community just to pray for you and love you and bless you and you know we did like an offering and stuff for her just because that's what we do you know we just want to come and love people like there's literally no agenda it's like we just want to give you our life like we how can we serve you you know and so it was really cool she ended up coming and sharing her story and she brought her family and it was just some serious like I don't want to share too deep with with all the kind of stuff that was going on in her life but there was just some radical restoration in that place and it was really funny because she ended up seeing my sister there and Ellie was like oh my gosh hello like how like my sister Ellie was like whoa what are you doing here this is crazy and then she was like whoa this is how do you join the dots like how did this happen and it ended up being that God had been trying to get her to that community for a little while and 
God put it on my sister's heart, Ellie, to invite her. And the next week, God gave me a word to bring her to the community because God wanted her that, you know? And so, like, I share that testimony because it's like God is relentless. His love is so relentless. Like, he will chase you down to show you how much he loves you and to unveil his love for you. There was a reason he wanted her to be there that night, you know? And mm. I, I probably don't even know the fullness of the 90% of all the details, but I know that there was some radical restoration involved and you know, that she just got to get loved on. So that's my favorite thing is like, it doesn't have to be healing. It doesn't have to be deliverance. doesn't have to be all that kind of stuff. Like Jesus was first moved by compassion for people. Mm -hmm. So if I see someone that's sick in the street and I don't have a compassion for them, I will never step out. I'll never do anything. I'll say, God, give me eyes the way you see that person. Give me, in fact, that prayer changed my life. I said, God, Give me the lens that you view the world in. I want a compassion on people because I don't want to step out in a striving mentality. I don't want to step out because it feels like I have to step out. I want to be bold because you loved me first and I know how much you love that person. That person's your child and they need to know your love and I don't want any agenda. I never will step out so that I can share a testimony. I'll never step out because it's the right thing to do, quote unquote, or whatever. I'll do it because I see that person and I see a brokenness in them that needs to be restored. And I know if Jesus was on the earth, he would go up to them. And so I share that story because it's like, man, you can go and buy someone a coffee. You know, you can go and tell someone Jesus loves them. And I say this to my community all the time. So if you guys listen later, I apologize because I share this analogy so much. But like, I always say like, man, imagine if we as believers, we just went up to one, you know, five people a day and just said, hey, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you so much. Like he gave his whole life for you. Anyway, have a lovely day, man. Just wanted to share that. Thanks for honoring me with your time for listening and blah, 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 blah. Like that person would go to bed with like, 12 people being like hey dude i just want to let you know jesus loves you you know i mean what happens after those seeds are planted Mm -hmm. in their heart when they're lying in their bed and he's like and that person's like jesus like 12 people told me jesus loves me are you real god yeah i am son boom people just (laughs) kept blasted you know it's all literally about love it's not even about healing it's not about that stuff that stuff's amazing and we see it and it's no different you know what i mean it's just it's simply about compassion Mm -hmm. jesus was moved by compassion you know first comes compassion then there's the faith that unlocks the healing that unlocks all that stuff but it's always first that love jesus it says it all throughout the gospels you know it's like jesus was moved by compassion jesus Mm -hmm. was moved by compassion you know over and over and over it's like he's trying to tell us something it's like don't even step out unless you've got a Mm -hmm. compassion and if you don't have a compassion ask for it and i guarantee you right now jesus will give it to you (laughs) so yeah i don't know that that testimony is kind of cool because it's just like man just seeing restoration in people's hearts like that's the biggest thing ever on my heart is I love unlocking people to who they are. I love unlocking people to their creative value and because mm. that's what happened for me. God unlocked me into who I was created to be, unlocked me into purpose and was like, you are actually, the world is not worthy of you. As soon as you start to realize that, you're actually going to realize that you carry an authority and that you get to go and use that authority to go and love other people and life will change. And it did. So that's what I love doing, you know. Every testimony is just, it's just love. It's all about love. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, where did you end up going with your studies and your career? <laughs> uh, well, I actually kept studying those mm. two degrees. And then um, I finished last year. So, I finished 2015 at the end of the year. Had, like, some difficulties in the end with, like, just doing the right subjects. And I ended up doing a whole bunch of wrong subjects. So, I couldn't finish my degree. So, it took a little bit longer, yeah. which is totally fine. And I've always been, uh, without completely knowing it, I've always been very entrepreneurial 
Ly minded. Hard to say. Yeah, hard to say. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, I am that, but I can't even say it. <laughs> um, and so I actually finished uni and then I actually got offered a role in ministry as a worship pastor. Did that for six months and then I stepped down and my goal was to um, continue doing that part time and start up a business part time. But the, the ministry role, I ended up stepping down a little bit early and that door sort of closed on me. And so I really felt from God to just pursue business full time and really take a leap of faith because if you jump, he'll always catch you. And so I did that, kind of winged it for ages and was like, I did this degree, but I have no idea how to go and get clients. I don't know how to like talk to people in a professional way, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just jumped in and went after that. And so I started up a business about three months ago now. And yeah, it's going really well for like, it's I don't know, like, it, don't get me wrong. There's definitely like difficult days and hard days where you're kind of like trying to motivate yourself. And you always have that self doubt that you've got to get over like that fear and that doubt never leaves. It's just about overcoming it every day and conquering it. And it's been probably the craziest, hardest, but best season of my life. So Wow. It's been an awesome six months. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And so over your journey, has there been a particular Bible verse or passage or even Bible figure that has mm. been really significant for you? Oh, that's a cool question. Bible figure. Like, it's funny, like at different times, different people really stand out to me. Mm. So as far as like verses, like my, my all-time favorite verse is the one I said before. It's in Romans 8, like all of creation's in eager expectation for the sons of God to be made manifest in the earth. Because it's like, man, that's that's our job, you know? Um, mm. And a verse that just keeps coming up for ages and it always will is just ask and you'll receive. Because the depth to that verse just reveals so much. And like that's been my whole life. I'll do something and God will be like, and I'll be like trying to figure something out. And God will be like, ask and you'll receive, Jace. And I'm like oh, okay, like, what do you think about this, God? Answer. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I should have just done that, like, (laughs) yesterday, you know, instead of, like, tearing my hair out. (laughs) As for, like, Bible figures, like, the two guys that come to mind, David and Daniel, their lives are just, they're insane. And, like, I've just had so many people kind of, you know, just continually come up to me and be like, man, I just see the heart of David on you. And it's so, such an honor to receive a word like that or, Daniel's always been someone that like I'd love I can't wait to like meet him in heaven because I'm just like man him and Joshua I'm just like man the boldness you have and like what you did while you're on the earth and stuff is just like I'm just like man second to none you guys are crazy I mean second to Jesus probably <laughs> that's about it but like those guys are all so amazing so yeah. just look up to them they're just like it's funny to be like whoa that guy from the Bible's like my hero but like he legit is I'm like man Daniel you guys like the time and era that he lived and david as well like the stuff that they achieved and they did and the way that they walked with god like the relationship that they mirrored was like that or the relationship they reflected i guess is something that i just so admire and i so honor that and i'm like it's like you know when you just see things in people and you're like i want that you know like i look at their lives and i'm like i want that you know i want that you know David had this thing of, like, he'd do anything to protect his relationship with God. Like, he was a man after God's own heart, you know, and he stumbled bad. But, like, at the end of the day, he was he knew exactly who he was and he went after that. Daniel was a man who was exactly that. He was a guy that knew exactly who he was. He was 15 when he came into came under King, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And the things him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did were like, oh, my gosh, you guys were moving in the craziest circles and 
the things you achieved because you knew exactly who you were. You knew you carried holiness. You knew you wouldn't didn't want to. Def- you didn't do anything to get in the way of your relationship. So, I love those guys. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And so you've spoken a lot about yeah, intimacy with the father and, yeah. and this idea of heaven going bankrupt to buy us back. Yeah. Can you kind of sum up for us what is at the core of what you believe? Yeah, totally. Um, I think, honestly, what it all comes down to is identity. Like, it comes down to knowing who you are and knowing your worth, knowing your value. Like, that's honestly the biggest thing. And, like, um, the word righteous identity. And righteous means right standing with God. Knowing that you're no longer a sinner. You're no longer a slave. But Jesus paid everything so when i say heaven went bankrupt it's like literally think about that like imagine heaven's a bank they gave away everything they had and the loss gave it all so that we could have freedom and so what jesus did was he paid his life on the cross right and so the second he did that it was like a one-two strike you know we got justified and we became we got reconciled and 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 were made righteous right he literally bought everything back that was lost in the fall. When Adam and Eve first sinned, Jesus bought it straight back and it was better. It was even better than what it was. We got to have relationship with Jesus. We got to have a God that would dwell in us in his fullness and he'd be pleased to do it and he'd be happy to do it because Jesus paid the price. So all of it comes back to simply just being like, we're sons. As soon as we realize that we're sons of the King, of the King of Kings, of the Most High Creator, and we actually get to have relationship with him. It's such a game changer. So, yeah, that's that's probably the the biggest thing. Go and read Colossians one. That'll just change your life <laughs> for me, anyway. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, it's all that identity thing and knowing who you are, knowing that you're so loved, and there's nothing you can do to not be loved. It's mm. probably to sum it up. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And then just to finish on, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? Oh, awesome question. It's funny, like, at the start of the year, like, like I've been talking heaps about desires and God's going to give you the desires of your heart and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. So I kind of, at the start of the year, was like, God, what are my desires? Like, what do I actually want, like, deep down in my heart? And so God got me to write them all down and it kind of fell onto three things and it was like, one is I will protect my relationship with God at all costs. I'll take a bullet. I don't even care. Um, two was music i love music i love singing i love playing guitar and i think god has something in store for me in that kind of realm and three was business so i really really want to be a successful entrepreneur in the sense that like um i kind of started a business as a marketing consultant i kind of call it marketing consultancy but i'm more partner with people and and help them understand their systems and, and take people that are expert in their field and then that may not have marketing savvy or the business savvy to be able to go from A to B, for example, or to be able to acquire an acquire a client or to be able to retain a client or know what to do, know how to use social media as a way to create success in their lives. And so um, I want to be successful in the sense that I make other people successful. That's what I love doing is pulling the gold out of people. So mm. I want to start a whole bunch of businesses, so many businesses on my heart to start and really passionate about wealth creation just so that I can be really generous and, and make a lot of money. I really honestly believe there aren't enough Christians in the world that are passionate about wealth creation because if there were, then a lot of gnarly stuff going on in the world just wouldn't be going on right now because we'd have people in high enough power to be able to stop that stuff. So 
really passionate about influencing influences, changing cultures and being in a place of like authority where I actually have the platform to be able to do that through success that God's helped me create. Um, so yeah, I love business, have a massive heart for that. That's a massive hope and dream. Um, music, I, I love worshiping and I did have a heart for gigging and I did that whole thing and it, it sort of burnt me out a little bit. And so I kind of thought like maybe I'll put that on the back burner and it's not for now. And I kind of always struggled with writing and stuff. But um, recently kind of while I've been pastoring this worship night community, I've just really loved playing with with um, two guys, Jackson and Renee, like two of my best friends. Like I've loved playing music with them and we've been writing a little bit and stuff's kind of been coming out and it's just been the most fun I've ever had with music. So I'd love to be able to go and travel and play with those guys and release, you know, EPs and albums and, and record together. And especially cause it's worship and I, I've seen it firsthand change people's lives. And so, yeah, I love that. So it all kind of comes back to music and business. That's kind of well, my whole kind of hopes and hopes and desires and you know one day family <laughs> in a very long one day <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's good love it <laughs> those two things sparrows and wildflowers is brought to you by victory one media and hosted by rachel simpson with artwork by nicola gibb